All right, good evening. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the doctor's opinion, and our speaker tonight is Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Hello, everybody. I'm Kelly G, recovered compulsive overeater in Florida, and I'm so honored to be here. So, so cool. Um, Aliyah did such an amazing job last night on the doctor's opinion. So I'm trying to give new material with the same reading. Um, so instead of Bill, I'm going to call him Bobby. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so this is how it's going to go. Um, on the first page of the doctor's opinion, one of the sentences that really stands out is I had come to regard as hopeless. And hopeless for me is out of ideas completely out of ideas. Step one, I, I cannot do this. I cannot figure this out. Now, recovered, you hear a lot. And when people say recovered, it, it triggers, it triggers something inside of me um, hearing that, especially when people were happy and said they were recovered. I was like, first of all, why are you smiling? And second of all, how are you recovered? Because we just don't have this anymore. But recovered really means that you're not fighting it anymore. I am not waking up with the decision every five seconds. Am I going to binge? Am I not going to binge? Am I going to binge? Am I not going to binge? Is this pain going to be too strong for me right now that I'm going to have to binge? Should I get the food ready or should I not? Should I work out and not binge? Should I not work out? Like that was my decision. So the fact that I have a job, the fact that I have to show up for life, I, I had no room for that. On the next page, right, it says, in this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe. The body as the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. Now, a lot of times working through this book, my sponsor would always say, look something up. And it's like, well, all these words are pretty simple, right? But if you look up the word torture, suffered alcoholic torture, suffered food coma torture, the word torture means inflicting pain for pleasure. I am inflicting pain on myself because it gives me a feeling of pleasure that I am hurting myself. It's this immediate pleasure that turns into excruciating pain. So I'm running from pain by causing myself more pain. And to an addict, that makes perfect sense. To a sane person, that makes no sense. But to me, it's like, oh yeah, of course, of course, I'm fat and I hate my body, so I'm gonna eat more. That, that makes sense to somebody like me. Then, as it says several times how we spoke about last night, that it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. What cleared means, right? And I want to emphasize that cleared means absolutely your alcoholic foods, your substances. For most of us, for myself, sugar, flour, done, got it. As the layers start going deeper into your recovery, more things come up. Unfortunately, right? Because we're so clear and clean, something that gives a little light bulb and like light is like, oh shoot, like now that's exciting me because we're so clean and, and, and pure with what we're putting in our body. If we ingest one thing 
that all of a sudden creates an effect. It's going to have a beep. It's going to beep. And it's our job to be honest about that and working with a sponsor and staying brutally honest the entire time. If that means that you want to cry over giving up artificial sweeteners, I know I did. It is an emotional, emotional reaction. And that's not normal, right? It's not normal, but we get it. We get it. When I had to give up diet root beer, it was as if like I lost my dog, you know, and it's strong because that's my crutch. So step one is all about putting down not only the food, but put down the men, put down the comparisons, put down wearing tight jeans for a month. Just, just be kind, like get it all away. Um, so the food must be down. And that is totally for me, it's honesty. Because if I don't want to give something up, I'm wasting my time and my sponsor's time. And I can just go on and, and eat. For me, I was in program 10 years. And right when I came into program, I was abstinent. And I was chewing 13 packs of gum a day, not 13 pieces, packs. And I would go to Walgreens and I would act like I'm, I was a teacher, right? So I'd act like, oh, these are all for my students. No, it wasn't. And I spent literally $20 probably each, each day easily and chewed the gum and chewed. But I was abstinent. I was abstinent and I wasn't binging. But that was something that, and I had a sponsor who co-signed it. She's like, yeah, when you're ready to put that down, you'll be ready. And I never had the spiritual awakening. But I did have the stomach that looked emaciated with a big balloon of gas that felt super uncomfortable from all, all, the, all the gum chewing. So everything must be down. And it says it several times here in this chapter in the doctor's opinion. Now, I want everybody to know that it says, of course, the alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And this often requires a definite hospital procedure. So for me, I, I did go to a treatment center for two years. I mean, sorry, for two months. Probably needed two years, but for two months. Um, insurance, cut that real quick. Um, so I, you know, I went to treatment and that was my period, right? Where I was safe. I learned how to cook. I learned how to weigh and measure my food. I learned about the 12 steps. You know, so sometimes we have to remove ourselves. And most recently when I had relapse and I was in relapse for a year, thank you, God, I'm out of it. Um, you know, I had to remove myself and go to my parents' house. And my dad did the grocery shopping. My mom did the cooking. I did not touch a thing. I could not go near that. Um, and that's what I did for myself. And, and it was great. Sometimes you just, it's not the geographical move. It's more like going to the hospital. So it's two different things. I'm not running off to St. Thomas in the sun thinking I'll be in a bathing suit. I won't want to eat for a month. No, that's not what that is. It does sound nice though, doesn't it? Um, so here it is that the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. And depth and weight is what I seek not only in people's stories and shares, but in my relationships today. Being in program, I seek depth. I want, I want the soul connection. And in order to get that comes honesty, but also how cool is it that we can share our deepest, darkest stories? Because those are the stories, those are the shares that people don't forget. Those are the shares that people quote. And they're like, I remember this person one shared about that. And I love that. I love that. And so the only message that we can hear 
from depth and weight or from each other, right? If someone who doesn't have what we have is, is sharing a hard story about their problem with food and they're not one of us, it's kind of like, thanks for sharing, like you don't get it. But we have depth and weight today. Now, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. I want a certain combination of food that sparks this little girl inside of me that reminds me of the snow day with this ooey gooey pancake French toast meal. Like I want, I want that feeling back. I want to set the mood. Like that's what I'm chasing. You know, I'm chasing this, this emotion that I'm trying to fill this hole that I'm trying to fill with food. And the more I eat, the less filled I am, the more empty I feel. And I'm just seeking this effect. And I wanna talk about what happens, okay? So I'm chasing this effect. Everyone here is in the book, right? The big book. And if you're new, um, there are a lot of promises in the big book, okay? And it's easy to check where you're at going through the steps to think, hey, am I, feel, am I experiencing these promises or am I not? And if you're not, but you're still honest and doing the work, that's fine. There's more work to do. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. But there's also promises of the disease. And my sponsor had pointed this out to me. I had never heard this before. But if you look on the top of XXIX, and I have the fourth edition, it says they are restless, irritable, and discontented until they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. So that is a promise. I will immediately, if somebody hands me my drug, I will instantly feel ease and comfort 100%, 10 out of 10 times. So that's so easy, right? Because if I want to feel instantly better, that works. That works. That's the only solution I know. Okay. So once I take that bite and get that ease and comfort, I will have succumbed to the desire again. Okay, so that's a promise if I pick up. Then I pass through a well-known stage of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. Okay, so I don't just take the bite and then, ooh, that was good. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Like, let me get back to work. No, I am off to the races. Like, clock out of work, see ya, half day, spend $100 on food, dreading tomorrow, so I might as well get good and drunk tonight, and then wake up the next morning, feel my stomach, feel nauseous, feel bloated, wish it was still dark out so this never happened, wish I didn't wake up, and I'm dripping in sweat on my bed sheets, and I don't want to move, and then I say, never again, oh my gosh, Kelly, never again, okay, so I'm going to work out, I'm going to get, I'm going to follow my food plan. I'm going to food prep. I'm going to make a thousand calls and get a new sponsor. I'm willing to do anything. Okay. And then this is repeated over and over until a psychic change happens. And a psychic change is a result of working the 12 steps. The psychic change is so simple. It's I thought, felt, acted in a manner, which I no longer thought think, feel, and act now. That's truly what it is. It's just seeing things differently. It's the same person. I'm still Kelly. The same scenarios are happening in my life, but I see it differently. And that change only happens with working through the steps. 
These men and women were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. This is huge because this tells me this isn't my fault. I'm not this. I didn't choose this. This is me. If I chose this and I continue to just eat, eat, eat as if, as if I could control it, fine, blame me. But I was eating because the mental obsession and that craving was too strong for me to fight it. So all of that to say, there's so much forgiveness in this program as well, because I realized that it is not my fault. It is not my fault. I can't control this. The only relief we suggest is entire abstinence, right? So it says it again, entire abstinence, entire abstinence. You know, and I want to also mention, just kind of backtrack for a second, is that, you know, the first page says, in the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced, so he started to present his conceptions to other alcoholics. So why are they talking about presenting ideas to other alcoholics when this is his third time in the hot, like in treatment? Because working with others is the most important part of this program and keeping recovered. And it is so imperative when I am in the thick of this disease, the last thing that I want to do is help someone else. I'm trying to hold on for dear life let alone help you. You have urges. So do I. I'll talk to you later. I'm just trying to get through the day. But the fact that this time around for me, working through these steps and experiencing like my hands unclenching, experiencing like this miracle that I never felt even being in program and abstinent, not recovered, abstinent for eight and a half years. I truly was like, I gotta, I gotta give this back. Like who, like who can I sponsor? Like, oh my God, like I'm a miracle. Like I, I couldn't stop eating and now I stopped and like, I feel free and it's not hard. It's not, you know, am I going to binge or am I not going to binge? So they show us from the get-go that, Hey, if you follow this program and you do have a psychic change, you must work with others. And even throughout the process, right, you hear sponsors say, call three people, see how they're doing. Because if we can get through one day, we have something to offer. And guess what? Even if you can't get through one day, the person that you call, you're helping them because then they have something to give to you. And I feel where I'm at that I have so much to give. And it's not like I'm perfect at this, but I have depth and weight. I know what it's like to want to die. I know what it's like to absolutely like not even want to run into someone in the elevator, to not even want to like look anybody in the eye, to wear the same dress in like 20 different colors. And like, you know, it's just the pain. And to now be like, you know what? I don't feel that way. I really think I'm a good person and I'm not scared to look someone in the eye and I have integrity and I take care of myself and I'm entirely abstinent and I want to help other people. And a sponsor is just somebody that guides you through these steps. And this is the foundation. These are the spokes, right? On the, on the bicycle wheel is that we need to lay the foundation to build on. And 
100% entire abstinence is crucial. And what they're referring to is the drug, which is the food. I mean, which is the alcohol, which is the food. But as compulsive overeaters, and I'm sure in other programs as well, there's more than just the food and what that means. And that's kind of what I want to hone in on is then when you look at things in your life, whatever it may be that you feel like you need to put down along with that food to really let God in and show you the truth, that is what your abstinence should be defined as. And, um, and that's what's hard in this program, right? It's very black and white when it comes to the food, but there's a lot of gray area when it comes to the emotional sobriety. And for me and my experience, the emotional sobriety is what took me out. I wasn't emotionally sober. I was absolutely batshit crazy. Um, and that took me out to the food. So it's a constant staying honest process. We only build from here. And this is learning, right? So we learn that this isn't our fault that we have this disease. We learn there is a solution, which is a psychic change. We get the psychic change by working through the steps. And everything is just following directions from here on out. That's really all it is. And I know it might be overwhelming because when I first read this, I kept trying to change alcohol and food and they keep talking about alcohol and it's really food and can this really, but it, it really, um, I relate to every single word. And if I'm working with someone and they're just not quite identifying, then maybe there's still some, some exploring to do, or maybe they don't have what I have, but I'm so incredibly passionate about this because this has saved my life. And I mean, the amount of blame that I put on myself, that this was my doing, you know, that, that I just am failing as a person in this world. And it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing to continue to change in physical size. It's like, what, what's wrong with her? Like, she's just clearly out of control and I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. So anyway, I'm really grateful on the top of my big book, on the top of the doctor's opinion, I wrote 12 steps for freedom. So that's all I really am going to share tonight. Um, I don't know how I am on time, Amy. What do I have left? I was just going to say two minutes. It just went okay, off. Okay, perfect. I'm going to stop right there. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Oh, Kelly, I love you. All right. So we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. And we ask that you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Amy, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Okay, so now I will turn it over to Sharon to start calling on some people. Thanks, Melissa. Um, I've got Hani um, followed by Barry. And Hani, if you can unmute, please. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Cheney, compulsive overeater and bulimic. And thank you so much, Kelly for that beautiful share. I'm really glad that I came and popped in and got to hear that. Um, I took a whole bunch of notes. Um, but yeah, that was 
an amazing, I guess, breakdown of the doctor's opinion. And yeah, I related a lot to the whole, the giving up the diet root beer. <laughs> Me too. Um, I was, I was there struggling so much to give up the diet root beer, the diet Dr. Pepper, because those were my crutches for such a long time. But, you know, I, I knew for years with me just, just trying to diet and use things like the diet soda and the gum as a crutch and all that. And sure it worked to control certain factors about my weight and my shape, but it didn't control this constant. There was no solution to this constant mental pain of like, you know, am I going to binge? Am I not going to binge that just took up, you know, every second of my life and made it impossible to, to think about anything else without having, you know, that soda with me or that gum with me or, um, or anything like that. And yeah, it's, it's true. So true that what we absolutely need is a psychic change. And I'm so thankful for it today. Um, I'm in my recovery, um, just getting to step four. Um, but I've already, you know, I it's, it's obviously not complete recovery that I found yet, but I think I'm one of those people who the spiritual change is coming to me slowly. And I've already felt so much relief. Um, I'm home visiting my parents this week and all those familiar like comforts of food that I've had in the past have been kind of popping into my head. Like, you know, I just want to take out the Nutribullet and make like a peanut butter and fruit smoothie. And part of me got a little bit sad and I was thinking about, you know, like I'm not, I can't have a, a peanut butter and fruit smoothie like ever. Um, but then I just, I sat down, I thought about it. Um, one of the fellows on this call told me before, um, are you just willing to put it down for 24 hours? And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I'm just willing to, to not do that for today. And, um, just turn, turn to God, sat with myself in silence and just seeked out my higher power and just asked her to just come and, and be with me and kind of fill this hole. And it's really amazing how that spirituality just takes takes this obsession that I've had my entire life and just gives me so much peace. Um, but yeah, I just want to say, thank you so much again, Kelly. That was beautiful. And thank you for everybody doing service tonight. And I pass. Thank you, Chaney. Sorry that I mispronounced your name. Um, uh, next we have Barry followed by Sylvia. I'm Paula. <clears throat> this is my husband's computer. So I'm not Barry. Hi, I, uh, Kelly, thank you for the share. And I guess I, uh, I, I'm feeling uh, I'm a compulsive overeater and restrictor, and I can't figure out the difference between or when I, I can't understand when I'm restricting because restricting seems to be a trigger for me to then binge. Then when I'm not binging, I can't figure out if I'm restricting or eating right, or I don't know. And I guess my question is, what do you do when that compulsion is so strong and the food is put right in front of you and, I, and there's, uh, there's nowhere to go? I don't know what to do. That's it. Okay, should I answer? I answer now, right? Okay, awesome. Paula, thank you so much for that. I get it. I totally get that. Like, like it is the most excruciating feeling because you're, you're, you're staring at this lion, right. That's about to attack you. And, and you have no defense. You have no mental defense against that first bite. So number one, not your fault. Number two is 
I would make sure that you create an environment for yourself where you don't have to be face-to-face -face with things that you can't have. If it's being honest to your husband, Barry, and I know his name from the, you know, hey, like I, I need to protect myself right now because you're going to be a better person for everyone around you. Um, and also too, if something's really strong, number one, obviously you're an addict, right? We're a food addict, but um, think about if you are seriously not ingesting anything in your body that might be triggering the allergy. Because I found when everything's put down, even when I see it, I'm it's a different kind of pull. Like, yes, it's always gonna look good, but it's a different kind, there's much more space in between. So I would think about that and I'm happy to talk to you about that as well. Um, but I would take a look at that foundation that you have built so far. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your uh, response, Kelly. That was great. And now we have Sylvia followed by Ian. Hello, friends. My name is Sylvia. I am recovering compulsive overeater, and I'm so happy to be here tonight. Um, you know, Kelly, I really love how you took us through the doctor's opinion. And, you know, mostly you told the truth. It is the truth of our program, right? That's what you really highlighted. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that I wasn't able to have a psychic change that they talk about that I was seeking only until I worked the steps. And so, you know, um, for anyone that's struggling, the very first question I know for myself when I was struggling was, was I rigor rigorously honest and was I willing to go to any length? And so have I worked the steps? Once I worked the steps, I have the spiritual, I have that psychic change. And I love on the next page what you brought to everyone's attention about um, that these, uh, these men we're not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. And, you know, I think that's hundred percent true. And I, in my case, it, I was drinking to escape. I was drinking to escape that mental obsession. I wanted to get rid of that mental obsession. And the only solution I had was food because I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic, you know? So if I was those things, my solution would be those substances but mine's food. And lastly, I just wanted to say that I am a low bottom drunk when it comes to my alcoholic foods. And I came into the program in 2011, was not able to get any kind of abstinence at all. 2016, I came into the program, I was able to get abstinence, but like you talked about, you know, sure you're absent, but batshit crazy. And you know what, by the grace of God, I've come back into the program in 2022. And it really, the nine step promises are actually true. They really do happen. And they happened, why? Because I worked the steps. And so I recommend to anyone who's struggling, first things first, just start the steps in any which way that you can. Because um, it really is truly a miracle that I'm sitting here today and I can say that I have three months of clean, weighed and measured abstinence, and I'm happy. You know, I'm enjoying my life. 
It's really, truly a miracle. My name is Sylvia. I am a compulsive reader and I want to clean my seat. Thank you, Sylvia. Next up, we have Ian followed by CJ. Hi, I'm Ian, compulsive reader. Very grateful to be here. Thank you, Kelly, that, that share kicked butt. Um, I love the doctor's, I love all of this. I always say, oh, I love the doctor's opinion. I love, I, I love it all. Um, something that you really said that stuck out to me today is, is this idea of depth and weight versus frothy emotional appeal, right? Because I remember the stages of my sprees were I would steal my parents' food, <laughs> you know, and then my parents would catch me and they would say, why are you doing this? If you had respect for me, if you loved me, if you had more discipline, you wouldn't do this. And I would say, yeah, okay, I get it. I'll, I'll go, I'll replace the food. And I would, I would get it back and I would mean it too. Like I would tell them, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this stuff. I'm going to get, I'm going to replace your stuff. I'm going to get enough for me. That's all I'm going to eat. And then the next day I'll eat it all and I'll be lying on my floor and I'll be unable to move because I'm so bloated and I'll be gassy and I'll have diarrhea. And my parents would be like, why did you do this? If you had more discipline, if you had more will, if you loved us more, if you respected us more. And the thing is like, that's brought the emotional appeal. And as much as I meant, I'm not going to do this again. That's, and that has no depth and weight. When I heard my sponsor say, yeah, I've been on a couch unable to move because I ate two whole pizzas. I was like, oh, I can relate to this. That's depth and weight. Um, and I love the doctor's opinion so much because it, it, it tells me I'm not a bad person. I'm a sick person, you know, and, and it makes this distinction between the, 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 the kind of catch 22 I have, like there's the disease uh, when I'm in the food, there's the physical craving, but then there's this other thing. And when I wake up, I just feel like I'm the only person in the world who is like fundamentally wrong and everybody else knows how and why except me like, <laughs> and that is hell abstinent and not working the steps, not recover is absolute hell. No, no wonder we eat. Right. And, and being recovered doesn't just mean that I don't want food. I don't want food. I don't want cake. I don't want sugar. I don't want my alcoholic foods, but being recovered means I don't wake up feeling that way. I wake up feeling a part of the human race. And that's what this program has. And that's such a beautiful thing. And, and knowing that that was possible for me when I was just like at my absolute bottom and, and reading this for the first time was like, <laughs> you know, I just don't have words for it. It's so wonderful. And you illustrated that so well, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, that's all I've got. I'll pass. Thank you. And uh, next we have CJ followed by Amy L. Hi, CJ, a recovering anorexic bulimic and compulsive overeater. Um, I, um, I get scared of talking, so I'm going to try to talk. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much. Um, what, a, what a beautiful, um, insightful um, sharing of the doctor's opinion and, and real and honest. And I was really taken by um, the promises of addiction that you talked about in um, I don't know what the Roman numerals are, but um, you know, around where it starts, where the vessel says irritable and discontent. 
um, and, and all the promises of what using and relapse um, will bring me. I, I very much relate to the, the, the terror of letting go of certain foods or food behaviors or exercise behaviors or bulimia behaviors or, um, and at, at first when I started the program, when I came back um, to OA and I've, I've, I'm new to the big book study in the past um, year or so, like I didn't, I, I relate so much to trying, the torture of trying to do it myself, my way. Um, and, and what that got me. And when I came, um, when I got a new sponsor and was started the big book step study, and we talked about the hospitalization part, she asked me to go to, um, a new nutritionist and, and I, like I had been on a food plan. I have been abstinent from bulimia and behaviors and, but the, the thought of, of doing something different than what I was used to the whole process started all over again of, well, I know what my food plan is supposed to be. And I know what, um, and I, 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 and um, that, that tendency to think, you know, the self-will. And I did, I surrendered. I was scared and I surrendered. And I met with a new nutritionist and her plan was different and it scared me. And um, I always say the, and it's a joyful thing. Like when I'm, when I'm in self-will, and trying to do, um, trying to take care of my addiction by myself, it's me without God, it's me without fellows, and it is torture. It's not just the mental torture, but like physically I would torture myself. The, the degrading things I've done to my body, the, I mean, even hitting myself because I couldn't get my body to do what, it wanted, what I wanted it to do. Um, but when, I'm, when I surrender, not comply, not perform, but when I surrender and say how scared I am and, and do it anyhow, um, and go along with fellows. It's it's not just being free of the the promises of addiction. It's it's feeling a joy that I don't even I can't get anywhere else. It's it's not it's not the the happiness, the passing happiness, the highs and the lows. It's it's a joy and a freedom and a connectedness that I can't get anywhere else, and I can't get with true abstinence. So I can say that I. Reminder. Oh, sorry, I'm almost done. Um, so I I did what I was asked to do with the food plan, and, and my joyful response is nothing terrible has happened. <laughs> That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, next we have. Oh, let's see. It's five forty-seven. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop the recording.